Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525 welcome to our two backbone radio matt don at your service and we run from 4 to 7 p.m mountain time right here out of denver salem denver your local talk leader and the phone number should you care to check in 303-696-1971 and Going to talk a bit about the potential for World War III here, and it's not an abstract conversation. This is not like some distant, far-out thing, oh, not going to happen. I'm afraid World War III slash four could be closer than we might think, okay? And I, I'm getting concerned about it. I've been sounding the alarm about it with this Ukraine business, this Ukraine meddling that America's misguided State Department has been engaging in since 2014 and probably earlier than that, been actively courting World War III with Russia, in my opinion. I've been surprised that it seems like that's what our military-industrial complex seems to want. It seems to want regime change in Russia... And to do that, World War III seems like would be rather on the inevitable side. They seem to not have any concerns about that, any worries about that. In fact, they seem to be actively courting it. And I'll get to what Elon Musk is saying. And Elon Musk, you know, sometimes you agree with a guy, sometimes you don't. He, I do think he works hard to try to publicly steer a neutral position on a lot of stuff. But Elon says we're sleepwalking into World War III. When I did remind myself to mention, you know, for the first time in 20 years, I am mentioning that I've started a new dental practice, left the old practice, started a new one, Holly and Arapahoe Road, North Centennial, and the phone number there, 303-225-7575. Should, should you know, you just need some dentist who's been at it for a long time and likes to think he does some very fine work and been at it forever, right? Anyway, just, just throwing that out there for fun. But Elon Musk, yeah, um, Elon is getting concerned, and he's kind of gently saying it, about the sleepwalking, sleepwalking into World War Three. And in my view, it doesn't seem like we're sleepwalking. It seems like we're actively courting it on multiple fronts and Let's just use this as our touchstone, what Elon Musk is saying. He's concerned. He's, uh, I think he might be losing a little sleep over this. I, I think we are sleepwalking our way into World War III. Sleepwalking our way into World War III with, with one foolish decision after another, uh, as, you, as you outlined, David. Um, and, <clears throat> and really, people should be deeply self-reflective. If, they, if their predictions have not come true, they should consider whether perhaps their other predictions might not come true either. I mean, what is the track record here? It's right. not good. It's not good. The track record is not good. 
And this would be a question that's actively out there on the table. You know, should you want to comment, would you like to see World War III? Would you like to see regime change in Russia? Would you like to see the Middle East essentially turn potentially into a sheet of glass? Would you like to see that? Some folks, you know, uh, of a biblical mindset and a subset of the biblical mindset are somewhat uh, following these things really closely in terms of Book of Revelations and the end times and so forth and what all that entails. That's that's that's getting quite a bit of traction right now and in, in a lot of circles. Uh, are you in that category? Do you think you'd like to see some of these things happen? Or what Congressman Crenshaw, the neoconservative, described as, we need a war to end all wars. That's what we want. We need a war to end them all. Just like they said back over 100 years ago for World War One. Yeah. We're going to have the war that ends them all. We're going to have the big one, and then we'll never have war again. Yeah. I am afraid and sad to report that war will always be a part of the human condition. War is a component of human nature. War is a component of how humans organize themselves into societies and countries and nations. And we're not going to get around it. There's always going to be a certain amount of war. But I guess the question is, should it, you know, should it be actively courted? Got to defend ourselves, got to defend this great nation, got to defend America, got to put America first. We don't want to let ourselves get run over by anybody. We don't want anybody to mess with us at all. And that was the life we experienced under President Trump, of course. But I want to look into some reflections that um, that Colonel Douglas McGregor is having. And I do recommend you might consider watching Douglas McGregor talking to Tucker Carlson last week, a very important, it was like a 30, 40-minute interview in which combat veteran McGregor, an author and thinker and military historian, military strategist who's been at it from the academic side and been on the inside. And I've read his book about the great, uh, one of the big tank battles in the first Iraq war. Quite fascinating. And some people, I, I kind of like military history. I enjoy reading about it. And um, got a bunch of bookshelves of all of that kind of stuff and military philosophy, grand strategy and all of that. And I do think that the people we do have on top that are doing the grand strategy right now, the United States of America, and that means State Department, that means all the different agencies, that means the people that may have been elected, uh, some of them, um, are not the brightest thinkers on this stuff. They're warped and they're disfigured. And a lot of these people have become absolute warmongers and they do not care about the consequences, one, to our own military, to our own country, to our own soldiers and their families and the rest of it. They'll throw them anywhere that they feel like they want to throw them for their ideas of grand strategy. And yes, also their ideas of profit. Yes, I've come to see that. I do think that profit, uh, there's a lot of profit in war, probably always been that way, but boy, never more so than now with what we see going on with our military industrial complex. So yeah, let's, let's check that. And again, I, I say this, that it gets, it gets complicated when you start talking about a World War III slash four scenario, when you've got countries of the West that have had gigantic amounts of immigration 
for decades now. And um, the Arab Spring that Obama ushered in, remember Obama's first speech that he gave as president was in Egypt. Remember that? Ushering in the Arab Spring. Why would Obama choose Egypt to be the first place he goes to give his first speech as president? I, I, I don't think that was a coincidence. But since that Arab Spring, there's been millions upon millions upon millions of individuals immigrating out of traditionally Muslim countries into the countries of the West. And I played this about, this is uh, Paris, over a million people on the streets of Paris. And this is an audio, you can't see it, but you've probably seen this on the news. Pro-Palestinians, over a million on the streets of Paris happened yesterday. Gigantic crowds. And that is Paris. And there's, I, I saw, I've seen videos like this from all around the world, from Western countries, even from right in Chicago. I got this clip. I guess I don't have time to play it before we have this, this first break here. And we've got Erdogan, Erdogan, the dictator, would you call him, or the president of Turkey? Boy, you should see that. I'll play that in a minute. Of course, it's in Turkish, and the backbone country listeners who are fluent in Turkish will understand what he is saying. But you got to keep your eye on Turkey. What's Turkey going to do? That's where a lot of big power is in the Middle East, is in Turkey. And Erdogan is sending some slightly menacing signals at the moment. Okay, when we come back, let's, yeah, let's look at Turkey. Let's look at Chicago. Let's look at the world scene. And let's see what McGregor is putting forward with his, would you say, unorthodox views? Be right back. Yeah, why not come in with a little French music? That's Patricia Kaz, K-A-A-S. Can't wait till she has a new album come out, but that's that's the France that you might know, that you may have visited, you may have read about. But should we hear? Should we hear what Paris sounds like right now? Pro-Palestinian protesters to the tune of a million. It's a different country. Ladies and gentlemen, should we go to Turkey? Here's Erdogan, just so you hear it. And the visuals of this, unbelievable. Erdogan's in front of a gigantic crowd. I don't know how many were standing out there, and Erdogan is speaking at a greater Palestinian rally in, uh, I believe, there in Istanbul, I didn't see the exact location. Let's let's hear this one. Let's go to Turkey right now. Greater Palestine rally. Şimdi açık konuşuyorum. Bilhassa son 10 yıldır terörle mücadele adına ne yaptıysak, hangi başarıyı kazandıysak bunlara rağmen gerçekleştirdik. İnşallah bundan sonra da We can come at any night unexpectedly and in response 
hundreds of thousands of Turks start chanting Turkish military to Gaza. Turkish military to Gaza. That's Erdogan of Turkey. He's a wild card. What is he going to do? And it doesn't look terribly encouraging. And you see the faces of these people and the chanting and the anger and the hatred boiling over. In large numbers of people, ladies and gentlemen, it just, I start worrying that World War Three, World War Three. You want to hear Chicago, and in Chicago, and how did I headline this one? Black Hebrew Israelites are battling pro-Palestinian protesters, right here on the streets of Chicago. <laughs> Throwing things at each other, fighting one another. The cops are trying to break this up. Pretty large crowds on both sides of this one. I don't know, ladies and gentlemen. You start thinking slowly, slowly, slowly. Things build slowly. Decade or two or three build slowly. Then all of a sudden, the quickening. Then all of a sudden... Things start happening fast. You look around Western nations and you start thinking about World War III. You think, oh, how complicated does it get when inside our nations are an awful lot of people with an awful lot of divergent viewpoints about what America should be doing in the Middle East. And that's it. I'll, I'll cut it there. That That's Chicago. That's right here, ladies and gentlemen. And I'll get to some Douglas McGregor clips of him actually speaking. I'll get to the phone lines here. But I wanted to just read McGregor, McGregor's tweets. Again, combat veteran, military thinker, been talking to Tucker Carlson. Tucker Carlson, very worried about World War III. And he's saying, hey, let's let's not be doing this. Let's have cooler heads prevail, which has been my instinct on this business as well, but McGregor tweet today says this, <clears throat> quote, if the Israelis strike decisively into Gaza, this becomes a two-front war. Hezbollah is going to take the gloves off and launch 100,000 missiles into Israel. Now you're dealing with other actors, Syria, Turkey, Iran, and of course Russia. Russia will not sit by and watch Iran be destroyed. Another tweet. This is from yesterday. Douglas McGregor, quote, We must protect Israel from itself. Mr. Netanyahu is on the path to Armageddon. You have an understandable and justified interest from Israel to destroy Hamas. The problem is it takes a president who has the authority and strength to tell the Israeli government, no, you cannot go into Gaza and execute the plans you have. Lay it out. If you insist upon this, we will withdraw our naval forces. If you pull back, we will reconsider what our options are, and we will remain and continue to support you. Does Joe Biden have the strength? End quote. 
Interesting. Douglas McGregor. One more tweet from yesterday. We are setting the stage for war. Netanyahu is setting the path for Armageddon. American America thinks that the presence of our offshore naval power will act as a deterrent to the Turks, Iranians, and others in the region that might otherwise become involved in a confrontation with Israel. It won't, exclamation point, end quote, tweets Colonel Douglas McGregor. Now, that, that viewpoint, very controversial, very controversial, but there's at least a military thinker who is saying that, guess what, Syria, Turkey, Iran, Russia will be getting involved in this, and pretty soon you've got a whole lot of stuff going on, ladies and gentlemen. And do we want this? Do we want this? Is there a possibility there could be another way through? And there's a lot of people who want to shut up Congresswoman Tlaib, Rashida Tlaib, who's the pro-Palestinian voice, and a few others, AOC and some of those, the, the six crazies in the Democrat Party. I don't see what good shutting them up does. I don't see. I mean, that, that, that's America looking within. Well, we need to be thinking about, hey, how is this whole deal going to happen here? Let's get to the phone lines before I do more McGregor, and let's talk to, yeah, Jay. Jay in Castle Rock. We'll chat for a minute. World War Three. what's on your mind, sir? Oh, great points about that. You know, so Russia is the same to Iran as Israel is the same to America. That's their anchor in the region. You know, that's their sister facility, basically. Uh, which country is Syria? Russia. No, Russia is the same to Iran as America is the same to Israel. Those are our anchors in those regions. Yeah, Russia is very close with Iran, and Russia and Syria are very close, are they not? Yeah, yeah, they sure are. Yep. It's funny, you never hear uh, about Syria until recently. Uh, But what I was going to point out is, you know, we're... (laughs) We have have these beautiful uh, ships going into narrow waters, Battle fleets can't operate in narrow, shallow waters like they do in the Mediterranean and the Pacific and Atlantic. And so these single ships are sitting docks, and that's kind of what happened to the coal. So we're we're making a lot of mistakes. And as far as whoever's making these decisions, I don't know. But we have to get a hold of it quickly because, as you say, uh, some of your callers have said, not only will it get out of hand, but... We're not capable of fighting on multiple fronts. As a matter of fact, we're not fighting on any fronts. And you know who you, you mentioned Turkey. Now I've been a government contractor since 1981. So you you have been a government it, contractor. That's right. Okay. So the biggest fear that um, Putin has is Turkey. Turkey hates Russia, and Turkey has a lot of power and a lot of armament. I'll tell you what, very strong Jay, Jay, we're just kind of getting started. C- could you hang on through a break? Sure, Would you be willing to do you. that? Okay. Thank you. Let's talk this through, and I might weave in a few points with you. But, yeah, the, the Reagan group is in the South China Sea area. The Ford group's in the eastern Mediterranean. The Eisenhower group is headed to CENTCOM, most likely the Arabian Sea. The Vincent group is in Hawaii currently. There's a lot of pieces moving here. Yeah, the Norwegian Woods song. I played it last night because that's one of my favorite songs to play at the first snowfall of the season. Because you got to get that Norwegian wool on. Oh, yeah, it's the best wool. But I actually just read a book. It's called Norwegian Wood. 
by a Norwegian guy named Lars Mitting. Sounds like a dude from way up there named Lars. It's about the history of wood chopping and the history of wood burning up around uh, Norway. And I could do a whole thing on this. Maybe I'll, I'll save. I won't do it now because we're talking about World War III Armageddon and the end of the world. And we might as well not divert onto like wood chopping. But it's a fascinating book. I put that out there. And I would just say, if, you're, if you've got a fireplace, try to have it be a, like an, a wood fireplace, not one of those like gas log things. Go for the wood, man. It's a whole different psychology. It's a whole different vibe. It'll make your winter better. If you can, you know, get away with it legally and everything. But at any rate, we're, we're talking to Jay from down uh, Douglas County way and talking about, you know, uh, his experience as a government contractor. Sounds like in the uh, military industrial complex to a certain extent. We're going through some of the Douglas McGregor concerns about, uh, and he, McGregor comes out and says that we need to protect Israel from itself. Israel is our ally. We want the best for Israel. But if Israel goes in there and massacres Gaza, then they're going to bring on Syria, Turkey, Iran, and Russia, a two-front war, and then America to defend its ally Israel is going to be in an awful lot of stuff that looks a lot like World War III. That's what that's what uh, Douglas McGregor is saying, okay? And let me, maybe actually while you're here, maybe I should play one McGregor, do I, do I have it handy here? But uh, anyway, but just maybe let's just react to some of that. Uh, do, do you think McGregor's on to something here, Jay, or is, is he? Yeah. Is he is he missing the boat? No, I, I heard all of his quotes, and you know, I think uh, <clears throat> if we follow or whoever's running the show in Washington, follow the General Franks and Schwarzkopf routine in Iraq, we, we didn't go in there and wipe out all the civilians. We were able to weed out the bad folks. It isn't quick and easy, and it's messy. We did lose a lot of people, and a lot of my people that I work with lost limbs and family members. Mm. But, uh, you know, we're we're better than that. I know Israel's better than that, too. You know, I think we all know this thing's been planned for a long time. Um, certainly appears to be so. And we can, we can go in. There are 50 million people in Iraq, and we didn't really harm the civilian population as you would think that we would. And it's it's completely possible with today's electronic warfare. And I go back to 81 when Reagan was first in, uh, brought in. And the first thing he did is started spending a ton of money on the military because we were being attacked by Russia on every front. Uh, right. Most of the bases in Colorado were being infiltrated uh, by the Russians electronically and physically and so on. And also, um, now we have currently what I understand and what I know from my own experience now, they're cutting back military budgets like crazy. The Biden or Obama Biden administration is cutting back budgets like crazy. And we've got fires going on everywhere, especially with the Chinese in Taiwan. You know, what the heck are we going to do if we don't have even the armament to use, much less the people? And that's something about China is a bit of a wild card here. And I, w I was just mentioning as we were going out, uh, on the break, that uh, we've got um, the Reagan Group, 
which I assume is a carrier group yeah. in the South China Sea area right now. I mean, would China potentially make a move on Taiwan at this moment? And by the way, our Ukraine business has pushed Russia and China closer together uh, in terms of my interpretation of events. I don't know how great that is. China could be a kind of a wild card in a World War Three scenario. What happens there? Hmm? Yeah, because the you know, battle carrier groups, 24 to 28 ships, and that's the way it operates. And a lot of that's resupply and so forth. But, you know, Putin and Xing uh, were having, a, you know, milk and cookies a couple times in the Kremlin. And don't think they weren't talking about coming after us. Because I, I think, you know, now's the time. Because if a strong president with a set of you-know-what stands up and says, we're not going to put up with this anymore and is elected, um, they're going to back off. And that's why nothing happened for four years with the previous guy. As in was, Trump, uh, the peace that we had breaking out all over the world under that's Trump. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah. Biden shows up. Liberal. And that's, that's yeah. the thing. Is I, I know a lot of pacifist types who they thought they had to get Biden in office, and then the pacifist types suddenly have got themselves with all kinds of war going on around the world and all kinds of mayhem and the potential for a really yeah. big war. And Trump had all the peace, but you see, you see how they were so propagandized; they had no idea what they were, what they were even thinking or voting for or doing. Right? Yeah, that's exactly right. I asked a friend of mine that's very, very liberal, just loves Biden, loves Hillary, and all that. I said, "Give me one thing that the Biden administration has done in the last thirty-eight months. One thing that's been good for America or for the world." Silence. Yeah. Um, it's hard want, to find gonna, anything to put on a bumper in. sticker, even. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, go, Kamala, Bodazar. Thank you for that. How many of those folks are coming over here with backpacks full of lots of horrible things to hurt us? It's just a disastrous situation. Right, but now, say you're France, okay, and, and you support Israel, and Israel goes into Gaza, and you have how many millions of people who are pro-Palestinian inside France? Same yeah. deal with the United Kingdom, where you're seeing gigantic crowds out on the streets, pro-Palestinian. And we just we played a little bit of Erdogan and Turkey talking really tough here. And in the United States of America, you're seeing these same kinds of protests spread around the United States of America. D doesn't that make world wars a little more complicated when you have different communities within the Western nations that might get upset a little bit? Yeah, yeah, and also in in uh, England, the color there is uh, very dark skin. There are a lot of folks from North Africa and England and France, and a lot well. of that's because of Hillary Obama's little war uh, over Libya. That's right. That's right. The whole Libyan yeah. misadventure. Yep. Yeah. Well, I know some of the folks personally involved with the Libyan thing, and you know, the only the one that really makes me mad is Leon Panetta just about let the cat out of the hat. When he was testifying, he just about told the truth of what really happened in Libya, and he didn't, because we were 16 minutes away with F-16s out of Sicily, 16 minutes away from saving and that seal. He painted a circle around that compound, which is a way we tell where the aircraft are going to hit, where the bad guys were, and they wouldn't launch the aircraft out of Sicily. And not to mention the 6th Fleet owns the Mediterranean. So and that was Hillary's uh, call not to go in for those yeah, people. Yeah, and we've exactly. interviewed a few of those guys around here on this station. I've even talked to a few of those guys that were over there that were. Thank you for that. That were in 
Libya at the time, and you know they're going to have to live with that the rest of their lives. Obviously, the ones that lived. Yeah. First time we lost an ambassador, I think. Period, and it's all their fault. And and now when we sporadically separate and and uh, move our troops and ships around, you don't move a battle group around. You need to keep it together. Everything has its own parts, just like a good army. But I think going back to your first question, I thank you for your, talking about this with your show. Yeah. If we don't allow the Israelis to go through and let's just use the term disinfect the area where the bad guys are, that are the totalitarian dictators and murderers and, and did all the horrible things that we you guys have mentioned, uh, then then they can help the Palestinians, hopefully live normal lives because I don't think the average Palestinian wants to be uh, over uh, overridden by a uh, Ayatollah type uh, dictator. Right. That's a, well, that's a question is in the Palestinian territories, how many are pro Hamas, how many are anti Hamas, yeah. right? It's right. can Israel make that distinction or is it going to get, you know, like a lot of people killed over there? Um, and then, you start having all these people in other countries, uh, like in Paris and England and the rest of the, get really upset about it and gets complicated, right? Well, Mossad's pretty good at that in Israel. You know, they're, they'll put everybody in a compound, they'll go look at their background, they'll look at history, and then they'll basically make them sign a repatriated agreement, the, agreeing to the terms and conditions of a free, let's say a free Palestine, let's take a two-state region. Uh, you know, agreement, and and then they agree not to do those things. Just like my ancestors had to go to the Ellis Island, they were stripped naked, they were sprayed with DDT, and they were said, "You're going to speak the language, you're going to be an American, and you're going to be part of the deal." Mm-hmm. And we agreed, and here we are. Well, ten seconds. Any any solutions that you have as we're wrapping up? Nah, God, God is in control. That's what I think. God is in control. Careful. God is in control. That's my word. Right. And yeah, you wonder. Which which book we're in? Are we in are we in Revelations? Are we in Ezekiel? Where are we? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Know. Well, hey, thanks for taking time for us. Yeah, waiting for the drums there, Skeeter Davis. I can't stay mad at you. Tell me, tell me, do you like the shooby dooby doo wop? Do you like the backup vocals there? Don't you think there should be more of those shooby doo wop backup vocalists and all the music you hear these days? I want more of it. I can't get enough of it. We're having that kind of phase over here. It's Matt Dunn. It's Backbone Radio. We're talking end times, end of the world, you know, global destruction, death, chaos, and mayhem. Just another night around Backbone Radio. This is what we do. No, we're we're on the verge of this. And I don't like it. I don't like how this is playing out, and I think... I'm seeing too much emoting and too much anger and too much hatred. And that's, again, normal part of the human condition. But I am just hoping that we've got some cooler heads, some real strategic thinkers that won't let it go into what this could become. Joe Rogan here, and you have to bleep out a lot of his curse words whenever that guy opens his mouth. He's sitting around worrying about World War III, as the rest of us are, right? And he's saying, man, it was so much better under Trump. Gosh, it was. He was in all the rap songs. Rappers would always talk (laughs) about Trump. Everybody loved Trump. It was like this wheeling, dealing, billionaire character that everybody enjoyed.
Yeah. I felt like he did a decent job. As president? Yeah. When you look at his regulations, it's, it certainly helped the economy. Oh, I mean, sure. th- that guy who was I the head I feel like of, we were in a lot better spot then than now, for sure. Without a doubt. Well, there's a lot of shit happened. COVID and the world. Right. The, world's, the world scares the shit out of me right now. And actually, right now. there's uh, too many curse words in that clip. We thought we got them all, but there's a few too many of them. But Captain Obvious Joe Rogan gets around to saying he's all worried about World War III, and gosh, it was sure better when Trump was in office. And uh, and that's where I say, Rogan, why didn't you come forward and just full throttle endorse Trump in 2016 and 2020? I mean, he always gets cagey about who he's going to endorse. I mean, these these people, you know, they're, they're like, okay, and he didn't endorse Biden, I don't believe. And he was kind of pro-Trumpish, but he wouldn't come out and just really bring it home and do the endorsement. And he's like, oh, well, uh, it's kind of a bummer we got Biden in there and we got World War Three. Hey, uh, use your voice. Use your platform. He's got how many millions upon millions listen to that guy? And, uh, you know, imagine if you had the power to do something. Imagine if you had the power to use your voice to say something that could catch on. Yeah, imagine that. Rogan. So I, I don't get a whole lot of uh, sympathy for people that didn't do all they could to prevent what we've got right now from happening with Biden in office. And Molly Hemingway says the same thing. It's horrible that Biden rejected the successful Trump foreign policy. Molly, last word. Well, just a few weeks ago, Jake Sullivan was bragging about how the Biden administration, by rejecting the Trump administration's foreign policy approach, was seeing unforeseen success in the Middle East, that things were working out very well in Gaza, that things were calming down, that everything was going great with Iran. And I think it is true that the Biden administration has rejected in whole the Trump administration policy of not prioritizing Palestinian interests above other things. We're also seeing where that's causing problems. We're seeing that the approach with Iran has not gone as as well as the Biden administration was trying to say just a few weeks ago. Exactamundo. And that's where we are right now. And that's where, why don't we get some McGregor in here? And this is, if you just sit back and listen to this guy and see what you think, I think this needs to be factored into our thinking and our vocabulary and our awareness right now. What this salty old bulldog of a combat veteran is saying, I think it's worth hearing. Thank you. Uh, for coming Tucker. on. Tucker Do you think Colonel that McGregor. we are moving toward war with Iran? <clears throat> yes, I do. And uh, it looks like the chosen destination is indeed Armageddon. There doesn't seem to be any real appreciation for the implications for us and, and frankly, for Europe and the world, as well as the Middle East, of such action. You know, take for an example, just on the economic side, about uh, 20% of the world's oil passes through the Straits of Hormuz every month. Uh, uh, probably 25% of liquefied natural gas. And you're talking about shutting down 2 to 3 million barrels uh, a day f- of oil from Iran. Uh, you know, it, this entire region is involved in the war. This is not an Iranian monopoly by any stretch of the imagination. But the point is that when we're looking at 10-year Treasury yields up over 5%, and people are increasingly convinced that the Fed has lost control, the economic side of the house is catastrophe. Then when you look at the military side, you have to look at the arsenal of missiles that Iran possesses, and they can reach out 1,200 miles with great precision, very uh, high-explosive conventional warheads. (laughs) 
that would do enormous damage, destroying whole city blocks in places like Haifa, Tel Aviv, even Jerusalem, though I doubt they would attack Jerusalem. The, the bottom line is that we need to think this through, and everyone right now is emoting. There is no thinking anywhere, as far as I can tell. The only possible exception may be, amazingly enough, Mr. Erdogan in Turkey, who came out this morning and indicated he was willing to mediate uh, the dispute between Israel and Hamas. Whether or not anyone in Washington or Israel is interested in talking, I don't know. But if we could sideline Turkey and keep Turkey out of the fight, that would ultimately help Israel enormously. So what would happen to the United States if we followed Senator Graham's advice and just began bombing critical infrastructure in Iran? Like what, what would happen then? Well, all of the bases that we have in Iraq and Syria, unfortunately, where we still have over a thousand Americans, all of those would be targeted. And this time they would target them accurately and this destruction would be wholesale. I would expect trouble here at home and in the United States because of the open border. Hezbollah has a very large operation in Mexico. There are no doubt many, many, many Hezbollah agents inside the United States. We can only begin to imagine the kind of trouble they could cause. The missile and space program in Iran is very, very advanced, as is their cyber warfare capability. All of these things would be brought to bear against us. But what's most important, I think, for Americans to understand is if we attack Iran, on the basis of Hezbollah's alleged willingness to attack Israel if Israel invades Gaza, we will end up in a fight with Russia. Russia will not sit by quietly and watch Iran destroyed by the United States air and naval power in the region. And once Russia enters this, uh, it, it becomes much more than just a local conflict, maybe more than just a regional war. We haven't thought this through. We need to do that. We haven't thought this through. We need to do that, says Colonel McGregor, talking about the economic implications, the complications of having had our open border all these years. Have we thought this through? And I'm just pointing some stuff out, and I'm not interested in World War III. And just, just another snip before we move on. What about the concerns of, about terrorism in the United States? in the wake of all of this? Well, I think they're very valid. Yeah, I, I think these concerns are very, very valid. We've had open borders now for the last two and a half years, but we've had an illegal uh, migration problem for the last three plus decades. The, we don't know who's in the country. We really don't. No one at home, Homeland Security can tell you who is here. The Europeans face something quite similar. They were bullied into admitting millions of Muslims from the Middle East and Africa. We've been bullied by our government to open the borders and let in effectively anybody who wants to come. So we don't know who's here. But we do know that Hamas, as well as Hezbollah, have positions in Mexico. Of the two, Hezbollah is much stronger, much larger, and much better equipped and financed. Yeah. 